You know, if you haven't checked out What Chaos yet, you oughta, because we've had all your favorite players on the show. I'm talking Seth Jones, Lena Solmar, Connor Bedard, whoever it may be. We're live every day on YouTube at noon Eastern, but also available on all podcast platforms, including the one you're listening to right now. We got guests, and yeah, we're also doing a bit of chit-chat, goofing around, laughing at what makes us laugh in hockey. So regardless of how deep you are into your hockey fandom, Come listen to What Chaos. We'll talk about your favorite team. We'll talk about your least favorite team and everybody in between. And we're having a ton of fun doing it every single day, Monday through Thursday. It's What Chaos, presented by All City Network. Hey, everybody, this is the BSN Avalanche podcast presented by Total Beverage. Before we jump into the show, I want to tell you guys about this really awesome deal for BSN listeners. If you didn't know by now, Total Beverage is delivering beer, wine, and liquor to anywhere in the North Metro area from Wheat Ridge down to Erie. For a limited time, Total Beverage is offering $10 off your $50 or more purchase on their website and on their app. Use the promo code BSN10 to save $10 off your $50 or more purchase for all of your parties and events and have it delivered straight to your door. Now let's jump into the show. This is the BSN Avalanche Podcast, powered by the BSN Denver Podcast Network. Crisscrossing with Jost. Right in, turned out by Jari. That was a one-on-two. And Jost. The best avalanche coverage in Denver. Welcome in, welcome in. This is the BSN Avalanche podcast presented by Total Beverage. I am your host, Jesse Montano. Alongside me, as always, I guess not as always, most of the time, AJ Hafley. AJ, good sir. How are you doing on this cold and chilly March evening? Good man, I uh, I planned ahead for the storm. Uh, mm-hmm. I had delicious pancakes. There you go. Uh, so, where's the worst pancake you've ever had? <laughs> that doesn't exist. <laughs> well, so I asked because I went to uh, I was going to make some pancakes this weekend, and I only had like the crappy instant pancake mix. Mm-hmm. It wasn't even Aunt Jemima, so I didn't make them. Because to me, there is a bad pancake. So I was just wondering if you had like a, I love pancakes from everywhere, but not them. So, um, this place. I mean, I'm I'm pretty uh, I'm pretty satisfied to be honest with you. You're with, pretty uh, pancake friendly. Yeah, like like I am with most everything, man. Like I like pizza from everywhere. I like all the movies that I see. Uh, whoa, whoa, whoa! Like, let's let's not get carried away here. Like I may not watch them again, but very rarely do I watch a movie and I'm like, had a bad time watching that. <laughs> so you you did even enjoy 
Spider-Man when I know you don't like it. Yeah. I mean, well, we saw Homecoming together, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, dude, that movie was really good. It's great. So, He's a great Spider-Man. Yeah, and, you know, uh, people have been hitting me up about the Spider-Man video game for a few months now. I mean, it looks awesome. If I had a PlayStation 4, I'd play it, man. I mean, it looks great. So, uh, the things that the things that I don't like, um, I really, really, really don't like. But right. the thing, but I mean, the vast majority of stuff, man. It's a it's a big bright world out there, and I like an awful lot of it. So, you know, not to well, not to not to be all feel good or hippy dippy uh, about it, but I I just like a lot of stuff. Well, good, and we like you, AJ. We okay. like. You, uh, you know what NHL teams like is the playoffs and AJ, we are coming up. The trade deadline has come and gone. We are under 20 games to go. And there are some extremely interesting playoff races shaking out. So it's an off day, no practice games, not till tomorrow. So that's what we are talking about. And we are going to start out East because you save the best for last. That's just what you do. And by best, I mean you guys are all in the Western Eastern. Conference team. Yeah, so <laughs> uh, so we're going to give that to you last. Um, AJ, let's start at the top. What's the last team you remember looking as dominant as the Tampa Bay Lightning do right now? Um, The Caps a couple years ago. It's uh, where the I think it was just two years ago the Caps had 118 points, and they were they were way out in front of everybody else. What that was that was the crazy year where the Metro Division had three teams that produced 100 point seasons, and two of them had to play each other in the. In the first round. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah. And then, because you remember, that was like one of the keys to Ottawa making the Eastern Conference Finals. Yep. Was uh, they took on Boston in the first round and barely snuck by. Mm-hmm. And then I think they took on uh, the Rangers, I want to say. But they snuck by, is is what I'm saying. And they... <laughs> they they played the less good teams and there was like a there were like 105 points or something Columbus team that lost in the first round of Pittsburgh team that had like 110 points <laughs> and it was like it was like this this system is stupid <laughs> like right right should, right it should be 1 through 8 this is so dumb because the top 3 teams in the east were all from the metro uh just those couple years ago mm-hmm. and you're looking at it and you're like seriously <laughs> Like this is so stupid that these teams are all gonna by by uh, the uh, uh, Easter Conference Finals. Two of those three teams were guaranteed to be out. Yeah, I think that was when everyone really started stepping back and looking at this playoff format. Like, yeah, I see what you were trying to do, but it's right. not working. Well, and like you, you can easily make the argument. Oh, who who's been hurt the most out of this? It's been Columbus. Yeah, you well, you and because, I had that conversation before the deadline. So you were yeah. saying, look at Sergei Bobrovsky; he's never had much success, and it's like, has he had a chance? 
you know? Cause, I mean, cause, I mean, not, I mean I, not really, man. I mean, and I don't want to say he hasn't had a chance. Obviously, he's oh. out there too, but, um, dude. 2015-16, the Caps had 120 points. And well, the next closest was 109. So, well, I mean, that's so, a pretty dominant team, too. So, right now, you're looking at Tampa Bay with 104 points, getting back to what started this conversation. Next closest is Calgary at 89. So, there's a 15-point yeah. gap right now. Well, and the goal differential. <laughs> yeah, they're a plus 84 and let's plus 47 yeah that's what i'm seeing <laughs> plus 47 is the next closest what plus 84 Jeez. dude this tampa bay team is dominant like they are they are must watch television if you guys have not got a chance uh, to, to actually sit down and watch this, watch those guys outside of abs games, just do it. Yeah, it's it's if you if you just enjoy hockey, or actually, here's a better one: if you're new to hockey and you're trying to get into it, go watch what they're doing. It's it's uh, right. Y- yeah, you nailed it, dude. It's 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 must see TV right now. Um, it's and and like it's crazy because there are. There's a legitimately great playoff race going on in the East. Yeah. Yeah, there is, which which we'll get to in a second. Don't AD me and jump right to the end of the segment. Um, so Tampa, that that's, I mean, their head and shoulders, the cream of the crop. They're the team to beat out East. Uh, yeah. Boston and Toronto are, are uh, next to in line there in the Atlantic it looks pretty safe to say that those are going to that's going to be a first round matchup home ice yet to be determined does toronto finally break i don't necessarily know if you want to call it a curse but this is kind of what this is boston is to toronto what pittsburgh was to washington in the playoffs uh yeah toronto hasn't been back to the playoffs a lot recently but every time they get there they get stoned by the bruins do you see that changing this year? Uh, I mean, there's a reason that it happens, right? Like Boston is uniquely positioned uh, to take on a top-heavy roster like Toronto. You know, they've got they've got the X factor. They've got the they've got Patrice Bergeron who can go in and erase Austin Matthews from a playoff series like he did last year. And then they also have um, great goaltending. They've got a good defense and great goaltending to, to kind of lean back on. So, you know, like you, it's just sort of, it's just sort of rinse and repeat from what Boston's done the last 10 years during this, this era uh, in which they've been successful and won a Stanley cup. Yeah, it's, it really does. It seems to be, again, like I said, they're like Pittsburgh was to Washington, where it yeah. doesn't seem like whatever uh, Toronto does can't seem to get by him. But so that that I think is is your one matchup that I that in the East you can pretty much set it and forget it right now uh, is going to be Boston and Toronto in the first round. Three points separating them. Boston with the edge right now with the, both sixty five games played. So home ice is going to be up for grabs. Boston's nine zero and one in their last ten though, so they might be tough 
to catch. Maybe the most interesting one, Metropolitan. Separating first and out of the playoffs is eight points. It's a lot this time of year, so Washington's got to be feeling pretty good about being in. But the kind of uh, the, the darling of the NHL this year, the New York Islanders, I don't want to say they're slipping four, five, and one in their last 10. And you've got some teams coming behind them. Do the Islanders need to be looking over their shoulder? Yeah, absolutely, man. I mean, they, it's, it's a brutal race out there. You can't play uh, less than 500 hockey this time of year. And especially in a division that's that competitive. Right. You know, that's that division is really, um, what the central has been the last few years where it's just, it's just a death ball of, of good teams. I mean, when you talk about the East conference, uh, playoff race, it's basically all Metro teams climbing over each other to get in. Mm -hmm. Like it's Tampa Bay, Boston, Toronto, Montreal, and the Atlantic. Uh, and then doesn't matter after that, everybody else is out of it. Right. But, um, you know, the you have Washington, the Islanders, Carolina, Pittsburgh, and Columbus, and Philadelphia is still involved in this. You think Philly's still in it? I mean, they're only just a couple points back, man. They're five, I they're mean, they're five points many... out. Right. And with we're still talking like 16 games remaining. Yeah. So, you know, and that's that's not even looking at any of the schedules and saying, oh, well, who's going to play who? Right. You know? Right. Um, But... Like Philly, Philly's just not far enough out for me to say, oh, they're, you know, dead in the water. Right. I mean, five points, it's work to do. But if you look at, you know, if you, if you look at as a whole, uh, they've been gaining on basically everybody. Yeah. A nice little you run. Know, they've here. gained, yeah, they've gained ground on Columbus and Pittsburgh in the last 10. They just have to keep going. Uh, you know, in Carolina at eight and two, I would say they're probably the real darlings of the NHL this year. Nobody really gives a shit about the Islanders, to be honest. Well, they're they're the little they're the little engine that could you know you know what they are is they are my own personal hell <laughs> because uh, not once since I became an Islanders fan have the Abs and Islanders had playoff years at the same time. They alternate every year. <laughs> it's incredibly annoying. And then when they each it, it, when they each decide that they're going to do something at the same time, they decide that they're going to be bad. <laughs> it's been so frustrating, man. They uh, that's that's going to be an interesting one for me to watch uh, down the stretch here because their fans sure made it clear that uh, that they were going to that they think that they're going to get in uh, the other night. What did you think of all the John Tavares stuff? Uh. Do I really have to get into this? Yeah, it's a hockey podcast. Fair enough. <laughs> uh, you know what? We don't need to spend a lot of time um, on it. Just give me a quick thought on it. All the, all the, all the booing, uh, the burning of jerseys, all the anger uh, is one hundred percent completely justified, and I loved every second of it. It was awesome. John Tavares more or less came out and said publicly, time and time and time and time again. I love it here. I want to be here. This is my home. This is what I want to do. I want to. I want to. I want to be an Islander forever. This is my franchise. 
I love the fans. I love being here. This is it. And he did it over and over and over and over and over and over and over. And then when it came time, when push came to shove and it came time to put in money where his mouth was, he decided to go to a dormant social media account that he had long ago abandoned. He didn't use it and decided to throw up this picture of him under little Toronto Maple Leafs covers and say deuces. So, you know, I'm all about it. Go crazy. Don't do it every time. Let it be after that, especially how the game went. You got your pound of flesh. You wanted you wanted to show that you were the better team. You blew them out. You ran them from the building. Head to head, I mean, it was great. That's that's exactly what you wanted to do. You made them irrelevant on 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 the big night. Awesome. Like I'm all about it, man. I thought it was great. The throwing stuff at him, you know, I I didn't love the uh, the a hole chant. Mm-hmm. I thought that was I thought that was a little much. See that? That's a little personal. That was my Don't, thing. I, did not love that part of it. And the throwing stuff is never okay. Yeah. Like there's a line between what's acceptable and how fans treat players and fans are way too comfortable crossing that line yeah. too often. Yeah. And uh, I didn't like any of that. I was not about any of that, but all of the anger, everything that they felt was completely justified. And I will hear no arguments to the contrary. So here's, here's my, I, I think they went too far the other day. I, and and it was mostly the stuff that you said, the throwing stuff at him. Yeah, the the a-hole chance. And there was one other thing that I was like, man, you know, that's just that's tanking the anger and and the fan side of it just a touch too far. I get people get pissed. I've never understood the whole burning jerseys and stuff. I've never understood that. But I, I get that if that's how you want to be angry. Cool. Um, Look, and, and to your point, my John Tavares jer- jersey is not burned. It's just sitting around with me going, what do I do? With this? <laughs> right. But it's, uh, you know, like you said, booing him when he touches the puck. Yeah, do it. Have that. Uh, all that stuff. I love I love the where's your jammies chant. That thing killed me. <laughs> so funny. Yeah, and, and like all the I, I thought there was a lot of it that is just in the spirit of, of, you know, sports and all that stuff. But I did think that the throwing stuff at him during warmups, the person that threw the Jersey at him and, uh, and, and there were a couple of the signs that you saw pictures of during warmups that, like you said, a little too personal. Uh, I, I thought they could have toned it down a touch. Um, but Hey, like you said, they got their pound of flesh. Now, again, if they do it next time and they're running over his jersey in the street and all that stuff when he comes back next year, maybe you're a questionable fan base. Uh, so that's going to be an interesting race there yeah. at the top of the Metro. I would just like to say, mm-hmm. like, uh, because uh, somebody brought this up in a Discord chat one day and I basically just melted down. Um, but the reason that I will hear nothing to the contrary is it was – I have no issue with player movement. I have no issues with players deciding what's best for them. Mm-hmm. But everything about how Tavares did it, I thought was well. We said the same ultra. Too, it was ultra too. Fast. We did the same thing with with Paul Stasny. It wasn't to the same so, extent, and obviously not the same. Um, I don't know necessarily yeah, what you want to call Paul Stasny. Paul Stasny's mistake was he said I'd consider taking a home down to a hometown right, discount, right? And then he ended up thinking of St. Louis as his hometown, and <laughs> that's how it went. Right. So, but but like Stasny didn't go on record and and get asked about it a thousand times and say, "Right, 
I want to be here. This is the place where I want to be. I I hope everything can work out. Uh, this is my priority. And then at the trade deadline, when the team was uncompetitive, uh, Tavares asked not to be dealt. He said, "I don't want to. I don't want you guys to deal me. Just keep me here um, because I don't. I don't want you guys to deal me. I want to be here. This is where I want to be. I want to sign an extension. This is this is where I want to be. And if you guys deal me, then that relationship." is obviously over then you guys are moving on mm. and so they said okay well if you don't want to if, if you don't want us to deal you because you want to be here well our priority is to keep you mm. and so the team didn't do what was best for it because they were they they listened to the player they it was misguided uh it was misguided trust and hey people people a favorite argument of a lot of people is well the team didn't do him any favors the, you know he didn't get any help blah 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 Totally agree. Doug White was a horrific head coach. And every time uh, I watch Avs fans lose their minds over how Jared Bednar is incompetent, I would take Jared Bednar 10 times out of 10 over Doug White, and it's not even in the same universe of competence as how bad Doug White was. Doug White was horrible. I should have maybe waited to the end to get you this riled up, huh? So, maybe. But the... The organization, they brought in a guy like Lamoureux. They brought in a guy like Barry Trotz. This was as stable and as as established uh, of a couple of guys as he has ever had uh, a chance to play for in his career. And he bounced. Mm-hmm. Like, he decided that he was, he no. Uh, he, was, he was not interested in that. And so when, you know, maybe he was too little too late from the Islanders organization, cool. I can, I can get behind that. I can say, hey, I agree. The organization didn't do enough for him uh, to to set him up. And then, hey, he gave him, what, like eight or nine years? Yeah, nine. Good point. Fair enough. Not going to argue any of that. It was how he went about totally. it. It's not that I don't like player movement. It's not that I don't want players to, to be able to make choices. But compare that to exactly what's going on with Artemi Panarin right now. Columbus knows what the score is. Columbus knows that guy's leaving at the end of the year. And they said, hey, we're going to gear up, and we're going to make a run, and we're going to try and do blah, 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 blah. Totally different. Everything about it is totally different uh, because the player is upfront and honest with them. And so they know going in, when he walks this summer, everybody knows that that's coming. Right. Whereas with Tavares, he led them down a path for a really long time on purpose. And I have. I am all about every single one of those people who were upset. I have, I, I mean, I have a JT jersey. I don't, I can't even look at it. I literally, I, I have Tavares muted on Twitter because I can't handle it. <laughs> like, I don't want to see it. I just don't. And the most frustrating part of that night was watching a bunch of people get on their high horses and tell everybody in Long Island how they're supposed to feel. With that situation. And it's like, you know what? Just just don't. Just just shut up. Like, unless you unless you've gotten to, unless you've had to live through that, like just don't. Because that that sucked. Mm-hmm. It really did. To have a dude that you thought was your guy, because he had led you to believe he was your guy all those years. And 
right up until that moment, you kept, I kept, yeah, he's, it's fine. He's going to, he's going to stay. He's going to stay. He's given every indication he wants to stay. And then the day of, he bounces and he throws up that, <sighs> throws up that picture with him under the covers. No, nah, man. Where's your jammies indeed? That was awesome. All right, we're going to take a break and come back with a much less angry second segment. <clears throat> I take full responsibility for this one. Uh, I asked you I know, before we I know, started. I know. <laughs> we're going to talk some Western Conference playoff picture when we come back. BS and Avalanche podcast presented by Total Beverage. Frosted Leaf is Denver's most innovative dispensary. What I like about Frosted Leaf would probably be their knowledgeable bud tenders, their online kiosk, their online ordering, and then just pick up at the store. And then they're always getting new genetics as well, so that's always cool. Like Edgar mentioned, Frosted Leaf gives you no lines, no weight, and a self-paced direct shopping experience that allows a fast yet comfortable transaction without the awkwardness of a waiting room. Not only does Frosted Leaf have the hottest strains, but they also offer a rewards program that will help towards your purchases. I would recommend Frosted Leaf to a friend, and I would tell them to look forward to different strains and to knowledgeable help. Check out Frosted Leaf's three Denver locations and download their app today. Second segment, BSN Avalanche Podcast, presented by Total Beverage, Jesse Montano and AJ Hayfley. We're, uh, we're trying to talk AJ off the ledge here a bit. Good on the Isles, Isles for uh, settling the score, I guess. That was a score settler for fi- uh, Isles fans the other night, I suppose. It was cathartic. Like, I feel I feel much better now. I'm, you know, I that day was coming all season, and it was always in the back of my mind that it was on its way. Uh, and when it got there, I, uh, I had a... Uh, nice glass of scotch ready, and I enjoyed that game. And now it's done, and we can all move on. Um, so I'm, you know, it is. It's it's done. It is what it is. Um, you know, good luck to him with the rest of his life, and uh, go Islanders. Uh, are the Calgary Flames a real deal? No. Perfect. We agree. What don't you like about them? Uh, that everything sure feels like it's broken their way this year. Mm-hmm. Um, they uh, teams that have to rely on dominant third period performances to get by, um, don't scream sustainability to me. Right. And I flat out don't trust any of their goaltenders. It's the same yeah. problem I have with San Jose. I don't trust any of those goals. I don't trust their goalies. Well, the so difference is, uh, for me, is that with Calgary, or I'm sorry, with San Jose, I think San Jose is a dominant skating team uh, with an elite forward core and an elite defense uh, that has two of the league's best defensive defender, uh, defensive defensemen, next to two of the best offensive defensemen. And that's why they're built to dominate the way that they are. Yeah. And their, their forward core goes 12 deep of quality players because they've been able to, uh, you know, they've, they've not only drafted well um, and developed guys, uh, but they have gotten useful contributions from, 
their whole lineup. Mm-hmm. You know, if you look up and down their lineup, yeah, they've traded for Evander Kane and Gustav Nyquist in the last 12, 12 months. Um, but Tomas Hurdle, Joe Pavelski, Logan Couture, drafted. You know, Joe Thornton, they traded for 100 years ago. <laughs> uh, Jonas Dons- Donskoy uh, was actually, he was drafted by Florida. I don't remember how he ended up in San Jose, but it was something he and i don't i don't remember how he ended up in san jose because i know he was a florida draft pick mm-hmm. but like melker carlson not even drafted timo meyer was a uh, san jose draft pick as well right yeah he was um you know lucas lucas radil guy not even drafted you know michael haley not even drafted we, right. know, we noticing a theme here like <laughs> Like some of these guys that they've that they've picked up over the years, you know, Barclay Goodrow, not even drafted. Yeah. Like they've done an excellent job of getting quality minutes out of those Nobody's. guys. And like when you know, like uh the, you know, Barclay Goodrow, like a, a fourth line guy. You know, what's the difference between Colorado's fourth line and, say, San Jose's fourth line? Is, you know, Goudreau's got 14 points on the year. Mm-hmm. You know, Gabe Bork has five assists on the year. Right. You know, uh, Kevin LeBanc was like a sixth-round pick and is now a 40-point player for them just randomly because he's he's able to slot in next to skill guys and do what he has to do. It's it's crazy to me, man. Like that, that roster is so good. Top to bottom. Why is it that Vegas seems like maybe the most dangerous team in the West? Well, one, we all, we all lived through last year. (laughs) And so we're all like, we're all like on guard (laughs) for something crazy. Right. Like we're all like, Oh, Vegas is going to do something ridiculous. And we all are going to roll our eyes and be like, this is just the world we live in now. (laughs) But I mean, not only that man, but they've gotten a little bit healthy. Uh, They have maybe the most under single, most underrated defenseman in the entire NHL and Shea Theodore. Um, Their defense top to bottom is just solid. Shea Theodore, Nate Schmidt, um, Colin Miller. And as much as I hate him, uh, Braden McNabb's a solid defenseman. Mm-hmm. You know, John Merrill, uh, good quality guy, gives you can give you some good minutes. And then, I mean, that forward core, again, like it's one through 12. Those guys are helping you out. If you wanted to make an argument to me about the importance of fourth lines, San Jose and Vegas is where you start. Yeah. Because they get contributions from those cats. You know, like Ryan Reeves isn't really a very skilled guy. Uh, and that's he's not known for doing a whole lot, but the guy's got eight goals this year. Yeah, and he's got a presence on the ice too, for sure. You know, and and he has a job that he goes out there to accomplish, and he does it. Pierre Edouard Belmar, same thing. He's a really good PK guy, and uh, supplements that. I mean, he's he's got five goals this year. He's got thirteen points. That's what you need from your fourth line. You need specific role players who can also chip in. You don't need these black holes where you're like, oh, I got seven points out of this guy on the fourth line. (laughs) You need more than that, man. Like that's when they, when they ended up, I think they claimed Ryan Carpenter off of waivers um, from San Jose because they couldn't just keep him down there. You know, he gave them really good uh, finish to last season. He's given them 15 points this year. 
uh, for Vegas. And so you're talking like all of these teams that are involved in this have good players at the top. All well, then, and then Vegas has arguably the best goaltender in the West as well. And, and that makes a difference too. Eh. Oh, come on. Flurry has the same, I mean, Flurry has the same save percentage as Varley does this year. So, um, yeah, but for, for up until just a few weeks ago, he was the only Vegas goalie with a win. And last year, if it's not for him, I don't even know if they make the playoffs. He's, yeah. he's one of the best goalies in the West. How does that, does that better for you? Sure. I, I mean, I, do, don't you has, just, don't he you? has a presence though. Like regardless of what his stats are, that's a team that believes wholeheartedly in its goaltender, mm-hmm. and he brings a certain swagger and personality to that team. And that's what you see in championship goaltenders. They don't just sit back there and stop pucks. They bring a different kind of dynamic uh, dynamic element to a locker room, to a to a fan. They just there's something different about championship goalies. They just have a different presence about them. Don't you just love everything about what Vegas does, dude? I mean, they they are they are everything that's been missing from the NHL for so yeah. long. They've got a fan base that goes crazy. They cater they cater to them perfectly, um, and it drives everybody else nuts. Which is, you know, that means it's working. Mm-hmm. Like, look at what Carolina's doing with the whole storm surge stuff. Yeah, it, it drives people insane, and it's building a bond between their fans and their team, which they badly need. I have heard two very high-ranking members of the media recently say that T-Mobile Arena is the hardest building to play in in the NHL. Yeah, I look, I haven't been to all of them, um, but I've been to a, a fair share of them. You, you've and been it's, to enough, yeah. It's the only it's the only arena where I was like, can I get some earplugs in here? Yeah, they, they Legit, were and like not even kidding because it, my head hurt, man. Like I was uncomfortable. They were saying that at ice level, Gerard Gallant frequently talks about that it's difficult to communicate with players in a timeout because it's so loud in there. And I, I, I just, I'm going to take a quick pause here. I, dude, I love that. You and I talk constantly about how the league needs more fun and they need to just go for mm-hmm. it sometimes. Well, they brought Vegas in and Vegas said, hey, if you're going to put a team here, we're not going to stay inside your little box we're going to do everything the way that Vegas does everything. Right. And the, the town has, they've completely won the town over. Uh, you know, the, the players are wanting to go play there. Mark Stone just signed an eight year extension to play there. Uh, dude, to me, Vegas has absolutely hit the nail on the head uh, with, with everything they've done. They lucked out a little bit with the way that the expansion draft went last year. There was a lot of good players available for them, but they did that. And, they didn't just sit on it. They said, hey, look, we, they recognize that they got themselves in a good situation. They've added around it, and they did not They did it in a way that this is going to be a team that's going to be good for the next several years. They didn't sell out all for one or two years of success before the NFL shows up. This team's going to be good for the next several years, and uh, I, you know, man, I, I love it. I want to get to multiple uh, VGK games next year. Uh, at T-Mobile, just because I think everything that they're doing is awesome. Yeah, so I, and look at the team they built. 
right? That's what I'm saying. I, I hope I mean, they have success because they've done it right. And and I uh, I love it. Do you think there's a chance in hell Seattle ends up in their second year with a <sighs> with a with a top six anywhere close to no way Mark Stone, Paul Stasny, William Carlson, Riley Smith, Jonathan Marchessault, and Max Pacioretty? Not unless they want to give up a lot of <laughs> of futures and start making deals. Vegas, part of it was luck. They lucked into well, that first group of them but then they've they've smartly added and yeah. and they did it in a way that's not going to kill because they had so many picks these last two years they i mean they've they've done it in a way where they still have a great pool of prospects all on the way and you've got yeah mark stone max patch jonathan marcia so william carlson uh you know he's he's a good player uh, you know, Riley Smith, Paul Stasny, that's that's a veteran NHL player. And and you're going to add Cody Glass to all that next year? Uh, or I don't know, <clears throat> excuse me, no, next year. But, uh, I mean, they've nailed it. They're, uh, they're one of my teams to watch out of the West for sure. Um, moving over to the Central, wow, has this been a weird year for the Central. Normally, uh, the division that's beaten everyone up and it's just an actual, uh, you know, a, a dogfight. Eh. Winnipeg and Nashville have, I think, been a little bit of disappointments, and then everyone else is familiar with how the rest of the division has gone. None of these teams are really very good. Winnipeg, Nashville, St. Louis, Dallas, Minnesota, Colorado, Chicago. Yeah. Not a single one of those teams is is, is any good. They're no. all they're all varying degrees of less bad. Winnipeg, I think, has probably had the most disappointing year. To me, Honestly, man, and I think I even talked about it on my solo show. It's not that I don't think Nashville is good. Nashville has an elite decor, Pecorine, and they've got a lot of good players. That's just, it's just not a team that scares me. And I don't know why. And I'm not saying from the Avs perspective, but just at all. If I'm any top team in the NHL, I'm not afraid of running into Nashville in the playoffs. They, for me, man, it's, they just don't have that really, really high end talent. They they have, they have, and I, I know I said this, uh, the other day on the show, they have a team of Carl Soderbergs, which is fine. That's very consistent. And that's very, uh, that's a lot of, that's a lot of good hockey players, but when you don't have any Nathan McKinnons, it makes it tough. Not even Nathan McKinnons. Right, like you, <laughs> like like Ryan Johansson's good, man. Like he's a really good hockey player. Mm-hmm. But what is it about him playing in Nashville that is is an issue? Mm-hmm. Because his last two years in Columbus, you know, his last two full seasons in Columbus, he had thirty three goals and twenty six goals. And in his time in Nashville, his first year had fourteen goals. And he had 15 goals. Right now he has 11 goals. Wow. And like, okay, like, it's not all about goals, for sure. But 61 points, 54 points. Right now he's got 54 points in 66 games. So, you know, he should at least break that 61-point barrier. But, okay, so what, he gets to 65? Right. And that's your 1C. And two years ago, a 65-point top-line center was acceptable. Because score that's what scoring in the league was. But, you know, Kyle Turris 
You know how many points Kyle Turris has right now? I haven't even looked. This so year. Kyle Turris. Kyle Turris. Mm-hmm. You want to know how many guys on the abs have more points than Kyle Turris? <laughs> Let's say how many forwards have more points oh, than Kyle Turris? no. Uh, Did you look it up? No, I haven't looked it up yet. Five? Eight. Oh, my gosh. And granted, this is with a caveat here of he's been hurt. So he only has 43 games played. Still. 43 games played. Well, And he has 21 points. I told Colin Wilson has 49 games played and he has 19 points. <laughs> Just putting that out there. Like that is a team that has and they're all in. Yeah. Ryan Ryan Johansson's got 6 years left on that deal. Kyle Turris has 5 years left on that deal. Philip Forsberg is like everybody's darling has 3 years left at 6 million. Philip Forsberg he's, a, he's got He's got 41 points right now. So, so He's being outscored by Carl Soderberg. I told someone the other day, someone DM'd me asking about Philip Forsberg, and I said, I'm going to tell you the same thing I tell everyone. Philip Forsberg is the single most overrated player in the National Hockey League, and it's not close. You watch these broadcasts, he'll pull a puck between his legs, and, and color commentators talk about him like, like he's – you know, Sidney Crosby and Connor McDavid had their DNA fuse and, and you got Philip Forsberg. And you go look at, at his his career history and I just don't see it. This guy's a, a career-high 64-point guy. What is it that everyone is so – his skating is ugly. He's not a good skater. He's got great hands and he makes highlight real plays and he scores 30-ish goals a year. So, so he's Cam Ward is what you're saying. He he shows up on the highlight reels every year because because he's the, the goals that he scores are always very nice so he's there but when you go look at it it's just not there for me man I mean more realistically he's like a nicer James Neal like I, I, good... I say Cam Ward because you and I always joke about how terrible Cam I, I Ward is it. he ends up on the highlight reels for diving but... stick saves. But like he's he's like a he's like a less jerk James Neal to be honest. You know he scores he scores goals, um, but he doesn't have like great assist numbers. Uh, doesn't have great point totals. It's a lot about his goals, man. And then like and that's kind of it for Nashville for me, right? Like they're so, so they're, they're they're solid. Like Victor Arvidsson, again a sixty point guy. Um. You know, right now, Victor Arvidsson has 27 goals and nine assists. Like, this is such a it's such a weirdly flawed team. And 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 the, the guys you just listed are are their four best forwards. It, well, and now they have Mikhail Granlund, who's a 60-point guy, as we've seen time and time again in Minnesota. Uh Craig Smith is a 40-point guy, except he scores 20 goals a year. And they're paying Nick Benino four million dollars to play third line center for them, and he has twenty nine points. Mm-hmm. He has the same number of points as JT Comfer, and Comfer's got seventeen fewer games played in that one. Right, JT Comfer. The Avs going to pay JT Comfer four point one million dollars <laughs> this summer? I hope not. I sure so, hope not. Then- like that's 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 a team like. 
Look, they've done they've they've done an amazing job. Ryan Ellis, Matias Ekholm, Roman Yossi, and PK Subban. Like that's three homegrown guys, and then they traded their best ever homegrown guy for PK Subban. Right, and they have all these guys on cheap money deals. Right, this year, Roman Yossi four million, Matias Ekholm three seven five, Ryan Ellis two point five. They've wasted it. Mm-hmm. They've they've wasted it because. They just didn't go big enough on offense. You know, Ryan Johansson for Seth Jones is a really solid deal. But Ryan Johansson just hasn't taken his game to that next level. Scoring when Ryan Johansson and Tyler Sagan are in the same boat. They were one C's in the NHL that existed two years ago. In the NHL that exists now, where goal scoring and point scoring has exploded back to previous NHL levels, where 100-point players exist, where a point per game player is no longer a unicorn. There's like 40 of them. Yeah. And Ryan Johansson, Tyler Sagan, those guys have not taken the leap. When <clears throat> they're the same guys. And I feel like there's a lot of, you know, you, you look at PK Subban and you say, oh, well, I'm sure you're getting a lot of offense there. 24 points. Ryan Ellis, 35 points. Both those guys are producing less than Tyson Berry this year. And actually, even Ryan Ellis. 42 points, two points fewer than uh, Tyson Berry. So it's not even like you're getting this huge burst from your blue line. I mean, they are. You, you picked the two that are giving them the least amount. Ekholm and Yossi are giving them more. Than oh, I completely missed uh, Roman Yossi. I'm sorry. I stopped it. I stopped yeah, at Ekholm. Yossi's, Yossi's got uh, 52 and Ekholm's got 42. Yeah. So they've got... But, but but PK Subban at nine million can't be giving you twenty. That's what I'm saying. You're, you're twenty four from him, and and I stopped scrolling up right at Matias Ekholm. I completely forgot about Yossi. Uh, but you know, so so you've got you've got a little bit of a boost from the back end. Uh, you've got a Tyson Berry, and you've basically got one more, which is nice. Um, I mean, those four guys. That's probably the highest scoring top four on a defense. Oh by no, a, by doubt. A long no shot. doubt. But it's not enough to make up but, for what little production, relatively speaking, you're getting from your your quote unquote top guys. When you look at top guys around the league, again, uh, just using the Avs as an obvious example, you know their three right. top guys carry the carry the water for them. Toronto, uh, you know Washington. Boston, pick a team, pick a team, any team that is, that is, uh, and the Avs, I guess, are a bad example because it's not like they're a great team this year. But any team that's building yeah. a team for contention, you've got to have those top guys. And Nashville just doesn't. They just don't, right. man. They're a, they're a perfect example. And uh, I would say the Wild and the Blues over the last few years have also been good examples of this. Of you have to have the high end talent mm-hmm. to keep going, you know, because Minnesota built some really good hockey teams and they just ran into elite teams in Chicago. Yep. And the Blues did the same thing. Like those teams over the last couple of years, like they built some really good squads, you know, like the, the Shattenkirk and Bacchus and Petrangelo and Tarasenko Blues teams were really good, but they didn't have enough like elite guys to get them over the top and that's that's the one thing that i would say abs fans should be to tie this back into our audience here should be excited about in the near future is that nathan mckinnon 
Miko Rantanen, Kale McCarr, Sam Gerrard. Yeah. And then if they get Jack Hughes or Capo Cacao, add that guy to the yeah. list. Those are guys that that's with Nathan McKinnon and Miko Rantanen, you're getting two elite players. Mm-hmm. Uh, with Kale McCarr, you're hoping to get one. And with Sam Gerrard, you're hoping to get one. Yeah. You're hoping between Gerard and McCarr, you get one truly elite defenseman, but you're likely like your most likely result is that you end up with two very, very good defensemen. And then if they end up with Jack Hughes or Capo Caco with the Ottawa pick, I mean, that puts them in a different level. Mm -hmm. It just does. That that puts you in. That puts you in. If it's Jack Hughes, if it's Jack Hughes, that puts you in Pittsburgh Penguin territory where right it puts you it puts you in the same place where the Penguins and the Blackhawks were where they have two like super high end forwards and I and I'm kind of discounting Ranton in a little bit here because I still think a lot of his success is McKinnon but, but even even without even take Ranton and out of it and you still right. if if it's Jack Hughes or Capo Cacao you're looking at two guys that you're projecting as having two elite guys. And then you stack Miko Rantanen on top of that. Right. And you stack, uh, you know, what what is not maybe not elite, but very, very, very good in Gabe Landeskog. And you're, uh, you're in good shape. It's a, well, it's a good foundation. You just got to build yeah. from there. You know, you've got to, you've got to build from there, but that's, that's where I think we were talking about these teams. Like, why do I, why do I believe in San Jose? Why do I believe in Vegas? It's because I think they have those top end guys and Calgary's got Johnny Gaudreau, who's having an unbelievable Taylor Hall-esque kind of season uh, where he's significantly outplaying the rest of his teammates. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you have, you have a winger, you know, carrying those guys, but like that's a really strong forward core, you know. Gaudreau, I mean, Elias Lindholm, holy smokes! Yeah, um, you know, Sean Monahan doing what he does. Matthew Kachuk is really, really good. And then you have you have Old Man River here, Mark Giordano. Right. Like Mark Giordano is having a he's going to win the Norris this year. I'm telling you, he's going to win the Norris this Ooh. year, and at age 35. And so, you know, and there were concerns about Giordano maybe after last season that he had broken down a little bit. Well, I said it earlier in the year. It's easy to play defense when none of your opponents have their sticks. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. Uh, Should we take our last break here? Um, One last one on Calgary. Because there is a guy on Calgary that I love. And that I think Colorado badly needs. And it's Mikhail Backlund. And you could sort of argue that Soderberg is that guy. But I don't think Soderberg is anywhere near as good defensively as Backlund is. And what Backlund does is he is like the Bergeron for them. He is their matchup guy against top lines. He goes out there and he just erases those top lines. And... That is such an X factor for them in the postseason that it's going to be one of my favorite things to watch about Flame Series is how they deploy Backland, how effective he is, and how hard opposing teams work when they're at home to avoid him with their top guys. 
because I think that's going to be a major matchup factor. Uh, and that that guy needs to be, if, if Colorado has that guy, it has to be Shane Bowers. Like if they already have that guy in their system somewhere, it's going to have to be Shane Bowers. He needs to be that guy. If Shane Bowers becomes a 40 point guy with lockdown defensive capabilities, then between McKinnon Bowers and whoever that Ottawa pick ends up being, um, and you know, talking about centers here, if I'm hoping it's Hughes, mm-hmm. just right. personally. That's a one through three. That's just nasty. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, <clears throat> the abs have a chance to, to be one of the strongest teams up the middle here after, uh, after next June, we're going to take our last break. We'll come back with a very quick segment, guys. I'm sorry. This is run long. We're already almost at an hour. Uh, so thank you for sticking with us. We're going to come back. We're going to give you a little bit of a not necessarily prospect update, but where all the different leagues are at that the Avs have kids playing. When might we see some of those kids coming along, if at all, this year? BSN Avalanche podcast presented by Total Beverage. We will be right back. If you're living in Colorado and you are craving some good old Southern barbecue, be sure to give Moe's Original Barbecue a try. My favorite thing about Moe's Original Barbecue is we are a Southern soul food revival. We make everything from scratch daily, house-made smoked meats, and customer service to the next level. That was Robbie Peoples, one of the managers over at Moe's Original Barbecue. And like he mentioned, they have incredible food, awesome customer service, and I think my favorite part is how cool the environment is in both of their locations. We have live music at Moe's in our south location, 3295 South Broadway, which is a full PA system, ticket sales. Uh, We have national bands. We have local bands. If you're a local band interested in playing, feel free to contact us at moesdenver.com. We would love to have you come down and play for a big old party at Moe's Original Barbecue. Not only do they have live music, but they also have a bowling alley and a dozen TVs with all of your favorite games on. They have two locations, one in downtown Denver off Broadway and 6th, and of course the other one that Robbie mentioned in Inglewood. I would recommend Moe's to someone because we cater to all needs, a family-friendly atmosphere. We have Colorado beers on tap, all the games on the TVs. It will blow your mind with amazing barbecue. Third and final segment here, BSN Avalanche podcast presented by Total Beverage. Jesse Montano and AJ Hayfley. We talked NHL playoff pictures and we kind of got sidetracked a couple times, but that's what you guys love about us is that we, uh, we have the conversations no one else will. Uh, I was trying to think of a funny example off the top of my head, but I couldn't. So, <laughs> uh, AJ, we're going to start. Uh, we're going to go kind of quick here again, just because of, of time. The AHL, let's start right there. Uh, the Eagles are having a much better year than we thought they were going to. They pushed their way back into a playoff spot last night. They've won four in a row. This is a team that saw... Not much success uh, in all the time they were in San Antonio. We were worried about them coming here. And uh, I don't want to say letting the fans down, but the Colorado Eagle fan base has really become accustomed to success uh, as the Eagles have always had had very, very good seasons. Uh, It it seems like always, Mm -hmm. uh, regardless of what league they were in. So we were a little worried. We were a little apprehensive uh, that, that the Eagles may not be able to live up to that, but if the playoffs started today, they would get the Bakersfield Condors in the first round. 
What have you thought of the Eagles this year? Um, they're an interesting group, man. Uh, some of their some of their nonsense lately has been a little disappointing. As um, in, well, the, you know, they signed a couple of these guys. They signed a couple of face punchers to PTOs. Um, and then they played them. <laughs> um, I don't totally understand. Uh, even now, I don't know what J.C. Bowden for Max McCormick was all about. I don't. I don't get that deal. Um, they've been playing Max McCormick on the top line, so obviously they felt like, hey, Max McCormick is going to help in a way that J.C. Bowden wasn't. But yeah. giving up uh, a young prospect in the second year as the OLC for and just an AHL dude who's on an expiring contract, yeah. uh, and not like a particularly like prolific <laughs> AHL guy, like he'll help them, you know, um, and he has helped them, but. It's a. It was a weird. It was a weird move, dude. Like it was a weird move, and I still don't get it. Um, but you know, I I wonder. I I wonder how much of the AJ Greer stuff is about him being in Loveland to help them with a the playoff push. Yeah, me I too. I don't think it's a lot of it because I think if the Abs really really believed AJ Greer could help them make a playoff push they'd be prioritizing that. Yeah. And since they're, and since the, the answer is, well, we're on the fence about it. They know he can help the Eagles. And so I think that's right. why he's there. Um, that and a, you know, a couple, a couple of hunches that I have here and there that I'll keep to myself because I don't want to, I don't want to throw like my, my personal theory out there and have people take it as fact. Right. Um, right. That's, it drives me crazy when, people have like these conspiracy theories and they're like, this is, this is totally just how it is. <laughs> and you're like, what? Right. Um, yeah, no. So I'm, you know, not trying to do that. Uh, but of it's, course they're, they're in, they're an interesting group. Um, and I think that they're going to be a lot more fun next year because I, I think we're going to get another wave of, uh, ELCs coming in, you know, Nick Henry just signed his, uh, and he'll be with the Eagles either at the end of this year or the beginning of next, uh, depending on how, you know, playoff runs in junior go and all that. Um, mm -hmm. you know, maybe a guy like Shane Bowers, um, the hockey East tournaments getting set to start in a few weeks. Um, if, if BU... yeah, let's, let's slide over NCAA. Yeah, if if BU uh, does not make the does not win the, that and they don't make the uh, the NCAA tournament, which I believe is unlikely, I haven't looked at all the pairwise recently, but um, in, in the last like two weeks because UMass was a lock and that's really the the one team that I've been keeping track of, um, <laughs> yeah, for obvious reasons, just because there's a chance McCarr could actually join the ABS and that's not really that doesn't really exist anymore just with the schedules of everything. Yep. Um, so, you know, the Bowers decision could be the one that ends up being made two weeks earlier than McCarr even gets a chance to. 
Right. <clears throat> so that could be Which, uh, one where I and, – and if he does sign, I'd be really surprised if he ended up with the abs right away. I think he should finish the year with the Eagles. Well, so I was just about to ask, is that a guy that you would see uh, joining the Eagles for a potential playoff run? Yeah, I think I think what you do there, you sign him to the ATO, he goes down, he plays the rest of this year with the Eagles, and then when he's done, uh, signs his ELC. When the Eagles are eliminated, when their season ends, he officially signs his ELC, it begins next year, and um, where he goes from there, you know, we'll see. Mm-hmm. And uh, Sampo Ranta made it out alive. It oh, didn't, we didn't know geez. if he was going to. Is he? He took one of the harder hits I've seen in a long time. And and, and the guy who hit him did get ejected because it was a little high. But how'd you ooh. feel about that hit? Um. So so here's where it's tough. I've only seen it at full speed. <laughs> so it looked super violent. Uh, super egregious at full speed. So let me say that first. Uh, me, I thought it looked a little high. And um, especially when, you know, you're having to wear those full face masks, that really rattles your cage a bit. And he had to get, you know, stitched up across the chin. Uh, so I thought it looked a little high. But keep in mind, again, I've only seen it at full speed. What about, what did you think? I obviously head down um, mm-hmm. is is a factor in it, but what I what what really I think uh, was problematic for the kid hitting him was you see how far off the ground his body got. Yeah, and like there's well, one the kid thing, went flying that hit right. him. He went flying. There's one thing about that guy getting, um, you know, when you explode upwards into hits, you naturally are going to come off the ice like that. And a lot of people misread that as, oh, he left his feet. Mm-hmm. But go and look at how high off the ground that kid got. And for me, that's a player that was way out of control. Yep. And that was that was one of those things where I was like, I think I think he lined him up just right, and then he just totally lost control of the hit the hit itself. And mm-hmm. it just it just got sideways on him. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Sample Ranta, that was definitely a guy that I was I was really looking forward to to watching this year, but injuries and and things like that. Unfortunately, we just, you couldn't really get a gauge for how he was going to adjust his game because I know that was a guy that you were worried about. The uh, hockey smarts weren't there. Um, it's been an so okay guess, freshman year for him. Yeah. Which, which, given given the circumstance of of everything, I think that's I think that's all right. That was that was a guy that we thought three years. Yep. Um, so, and unlike Cam Morrison, he hasn't put the bar high enough in the freshman year that we spend the rest of his hockey or the rest of his college career uh, trying to gauge against that. <laughs> right. Uh, um. Any other abs? Uh, prospects anything like that that you want to talk about before we before we get out of here for today um i mean i don't think notre dame uh is going to be involved in any postseason stuff so um you know morrison uh lieberman and clerman should all be done pretty soon and i think morrison is the only one that you could justify a contract for yeah 
Um, Tyler Weiss, you know, he uh, he finally got healthy. And once he got into the groove of things, started producing a little bit. Yeah. Um, That's another kid that I uh, had definitely nice interested in. Year. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna be keeping an eye on uh, as his career, as his college career progresses. I uh, I liked him a lot. Yeah, and uh, the kid that the kid assigned um, Nick Henry uh, is a guy who's who's had a really strong finish to his junior career. Um, you know that's you know we you if you just looked at the numbers in his career, you'd see oh his first year the year that they drafted him. He was great because he put up great numbers because he played next to um, Sam Steele and um, I can't I can never remember the third kid's name um, who ended up a draft pick of Toronto. Mm, um, it's it's Adam something and uh, Adam Brooks and uh, so you know when he played with those guys and then. Last year, you know, they Regina had the big uh, kind of falling out. Uh, you know that their their run was over essentially as a as a Mem Cup team. Yeah, and he was slow to return from injury, and so his numbers bottomed out. And then his numbers shot back up this year, and he got <laughs> traded to Lethbridge halfway through the year, and uh, on a really good Lethbridge team that. Uh, uh, is being led by top five draft uh, eligible kid Dylan Cousins this year. Um, that's a really loaded team that's going to be going for a while. He's a guy that I think is really going to be uh, a very interesting prospect to watch in the Eagles coming up uh, next, starting next year. Well, there you go. And I, Connor oh. Timmons is supposedly going to start playing games soon. That's right. Yeah, we we're into March, so th- this was the next kind of deadline that we were given. Uh, I'll say recently, it was pretty recent. Uh, that hey, they they are hopeful that he'll be back into game action at some point this month. Yeah, uh, I until doubt it honestly happens. <laughs> uh, it will not be. It'll be the Eagles, mm-hmm. but right. until until it honestly honestly like I'm I'm looking at it and I'm like, look, it's great that they're optimistic until that dude sheds the red jersey and. And actually gets involved in um, in games. Uh, my optimism yeah. is tempered. I will For say sure. though, he's been a full participant in practice. Like he's not cleared for full contact, so they just don't hit him. But he's been a full participant in all the drills with the abs when he's around. Uh, when he's around them, you know, he's laughing. He knows all the defensemen. So it's not like this guy when he sheds that jersey is going to be a fish out of water. He knows everybody, yeah. and because because he stays here on when the teams go on the road. Um, the Avs were on the road over the weekend. The Eagles were here. So he's been practicing with the Eagles. He just goes to whichever team is here for him to play, play with. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's exciting. It's something that I, I really, really do, man. I think had he gotten healthy, uh, that first time around in January, uh, when, when they were originally saying, I really, really do think that they would have dropped them in with the abs, uh, purely because I don't think they could have helped their own curiosity. Eventually. Um, yeah, but, uh, no, I'm anxious for him just to get back in, in any capacity, honestly. 
it uh and when i say back i mean here at all in any capacity it's something i think everyone's been looking forward to everyone especially after his world juniors uh, a couple years ago well he's such a big prospect for them and like there are some people that play him down but it's like this guy's got a big future ahead of him Mm -hmm. if and and like when we talk about future abs defenses, you know, and you're roster baiting, it's smarter to take him out of it just because you don't know what's what they have. Yeah. But if that dude comes back out like next year and is a full blown legit prospect again, yeah. Like, oh my goodness. Yeah, I was gonna say then then everything we were talking about earlier add another name to it, especially <laughs> if they draft Bowen Byram. Oh boy. Let's uh, let's not let's let's not get ourselves too worked up. I got to go to bed here soon. <laughs> um, AJ, let's go ahead and get out of here. This has been a long show. We had we had a shorter show yesterday, so I guess you could say we made up for it. Uh, thank you for sticking with us. If you made it this far, um, I think that's it for today. Abs are taking on the Detroit Red Wings tonight at Pepsi Center. Starts at seven o'clock. I say tonight because we're recording late Monday evening and the magic of editing. It's going to come out tomorrow. Look at that. Uh, For AJ Haefeli, I'm Jesse Montagna. This is the BSN Avalanche podcast presented by Total Beverage. Thank you guys all so much for listening.